0: Just came across this thing which made me chuckle, see if it does for you. Latest purchase limits placed on shops in light of the coronavirus due to panic buying. Asda, two hand sanitizers and four packs of toilet rolls. Tesco, one hand sanitizer, 500 grams of rice and four packets of toilet rolls. Waitrose, one lobster, six quail's eggs and 100 grams of foie gras. Aldi. One MIG welder, one pink sports bra, two trumpets, and a wetsuit. (laughs) So it's a bit of a a crazy season we're in, isn't it? And, um, you know, we were meant to be talking about uh, finance this Sunday, and Joel, one of our trustees, was going to do a really great, cool finance update with graphs and everything. And I was going to talk about being a generous church to, to, to carry on our series we've been doing on what kind of church. But as we met as elders on Thursday night, you know, we just sat in the room and said, you know, it's, it's not kind of what on, is uppermost in people's minds at the moment in terms of the world and what's going on in terms of uh, the, the spread of uh, coronavirus. And we thought, rather than just plow on, let's just take a moment to really think about this and talk about it and understand it from a a godly point of view, a faith-filled point of view, so that we can respond in faith in what is a season that is affecting so many people right across the world right now. And just as I was getting going thinking about this, I was just reminded how Jesus, when he rose from the dead, and he appeared to a fear-filled, packed room of disciples, do you know what his first words were? peace. He said, peace. Isn't that just a gift from God in this time? That as believers in Jesus, we have peace from him. That's the first thing he speaks over us this morning. So I'm going to look at three things about what faith in the midst of coronavirus looks like. And, uh, but before that, because I, there's some important applications that we need to have as a church and we're asking of you individually. And I know if I leave these right to the end, I know the, the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak, and you, in half an hour's time, you'll be dreaming about sanitizing your hands again and uh, drinking tea and coffee and all those things. So just, just some really practical, important things just for this next season. Firstly, as a church, we're going to be following government advice, and if they tell us not to meet, we'll not be meeting like this in this context. Um, it's changing all the time, so just... Uh, make sure that you're on our email list. If you don't get an email on a Tuesday, we've got no way of contacting you to let you know what's happening. Uh, of course, we're going to keep meeting in small groups. And um, we'd really, really want you to join a small group in this season if you're not part of one, to prioritize it. if you are part of one. And if you are self-isolating for, for whatever reason, please let your small group leader know and we'd love it if you could let one of the elders know as well, just because we want to be praying for anybody who is feeling any symptoms of any kind of flu or coronavirus, just so that we can hold them before God in prayer, because God's a God who heals, and God's a God who protects, and we want to stand with you in this time. If you don't know any elders' email address, you can start with me, dan at KingsChurchEdinburgh.org, and I'll pass it around. But do tell your small group leader and let us know. Uh, secondly, just to say... Um, we've got a task team who are just looking at the week-to-week operations of Sundays to make sure they work well. Uh, That includes Phil Capon as a trustee, Rachel Fleming, who oversees our kids' work, Chris Rawson and Luke David as elders. They're just going to keep updated on advice and ensure swift and collaborative decision-making over this next period. Uh, We're going to continue to meet on on Sundays until we're directed not to. Uh, We'll need to be flexible and uh, one thing we're going to do, which we've never really done before on a Sunday, is we're going to have a live stream starting next Sunday morning, so that if people are in isolation, they can at least tune in and see some familiar faces, and um, uh, we're trialing that today, but it'll be rolled out next week. And it's, I know some of you are thinking, great, I can just stay in bed and watch the live stream from now on, <laughs> but honestly, if you think, what is the reason you come to King's, most of it is you just love the people here. And you'd love being in community. So uh, don't, don't, uh, unless you need to use it, don't use it. Um, and uh, we'll also probably need to make children's teaching resources available. Um, so if you're, if you're a parent, we'll be getting in touch with you about that as well. Uh, ministries such as TOTS and Hub 104 will follow the advice of school closures if and when that happens. And uh, as Chris mentioned, some of our practices on Sundays are going to change for a reason. We're not going to pass offering bags around. You'll see there's hand sanitizers in the areas where refreshments are served. Please use those. Um, our kids' workers being extra vigilant with hygiene with children. Um, this is probably... Uh, there's a, there's a, a verse in Ecclesiastes, that it? it? says there's a time to hug and a time not to hug. I think... Uh, <laughs> This is the season not to hug, okay? And just, just for a while, just temporarily, you can do the holy elbow bump rather than uh, the full-on kind of kiss or hug or handshake that we would normally love to do. Uh, please follow health advice yourself. Make sure you're aware of it. If you're experiencing flu-like symptoms, raise temperature, then please self-isolate in accordance with guidelines um, if you 're on a serving team please don 't feel obligated to turn up no matter what please follow government advice and please let us know if you can 't serve um, please ensure you 're on the mailing list please join a small group and uh, please let us know if you 're in isolation Is that okay you take all that in great thank you jesus okay there 's a verse Romans twelve verse one uh, verse two sorry it says don 't conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so here 's The first thing we we need to talk about as we're navigating faith in this next season, we need to make sure that we're listening to the right voices and that we're listening to the word of God and that our minds are being renewed into what he would have us think and say rather than just what our surrounding culture is saying. So here's point one. I've got three points. It's going to be easy today and they're going to be obvious points. You think, yeah, I know this. So humor me and get really excited about them. Here's the first one. Coronavirus isn't king, Jesus is. Isn't that good? Wow. Uh, I was kind of thinking, why is it called coronavirus? And the answer is corona is the, the word, is the Latin for crown. And if you look at it under a microscope, it's a very beautiful looking thing. It's got all these little crown shapes on it. And it got me thinking... Because it's become the king of viruses. It's one that everybody's scared of. Everyone's scared of getting, everyone's particularly aware of of, uh, those who are vulnerable and elderly, family members, business owners are, are fearful for their businesses. But here's the thing, we must remember that Jesus is king. In fact, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 12, it talks about Jesus. It says, his eyes are like a blazing fire, on his head are many crowns. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Who's the one crowned with many crowns? It's Jesus. Who's the one who's King of kings and Lord of lords? It's Jesus. Who's the one who deserves God-like space in our lives? It's Jesus, not coronavirus. I I was reading uh, yesterday in 1 Thessalonians 1. I'm doing the church Bible reading plan. I don't know if you're reading along with that. It's such a such a brilliant ruler, especially in this season where uh, e- even if we're uh, all over the place in terms of being able to get some meetings and meetings together, here's something that we can enjoy just synergy with and know that other people are doing it too, read the Bible reading plan. I'm just doing the New Testament, one chapter a day, and I'm texting a couple of people in church and saying, here's what I'm reading, and they're texting back and and saying, yeah, this is what I got out of it as well. It's really, really helpful. Anyway, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1, yesterday. Paul talked about these remarkable Thessalonican Christians. And he said, he, said, he said, I'm celebrating how you turned from idols to serve the living and true God. I thought, oh, isn't that such a helpful verse in this environment? You know, idols. There's never been a good idol. There's never been an idol that, that lives for your benefit and blesses you. All idols make you live in fear. They dominate your life through fear. They, they say, unless you worship me, then you may get sick. Unless you worship me, then you may not be able to have children. Unless you worship me, then your crops won't grow. Unless you worship me, your business will not succeed. That's the power that false gods have over our lives. Whereas Jesus is one who brings us joy and freedom. And he's a king who reigns and he benefits those who are subject to him. He rules from a throne of grace and he dispenses grace to all his people. So if Jesus is king, then this is something that we need to to be aware of doing in this season. We need to fight fear with facts. If we're going to recognize that Jesus has the true place on the throne, then we need to recognize falseness for what it is. And It might interest you, because if you read the newspapers or the online stuff, it doesn't change much, does it? But they're just trying to project further and further in terms of how awful this could be. And it might help you to just think in perspective for a moment. Do you know, at this time of year, about 1,500 people a day die from most causes, from all sorts of causes. So coronavirus isn't a new, a whole new phenomenon of death. Death has been with the human race as long as it's existed. And at this time of year, about 1,500 people in the UK would die every day, regardless of coronavirus. This is topping that up a bit, but not as much as you think, as a proportion. So, newspapers, media sites, they're designed to get your interest and keep you reading. They're often written by people who are fearful themselves. And we must be careful, therefore, that we don't just subject ourselves to it too much. Probably check the news once a day. Things don't change that fast. If you find yourself just tapping your phone all the time, latest, 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 you're probably going to be putting fear on the throne rather than Jesus. Uh, fight fear with daily trust in God, He gives us daily grace. He doesn't give us grace for tomorrow, today. He gives us grace for tomorrow, tomorrow. So uh, in James chapter 4, it says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Smiley face. face. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Simple. Don't think too far ahead in this season. I think that's what he's saying. Trust God and say, actually, tomorrow's all about God's, it's God's plan and hand on my life. Um, secondly, we, 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 we fight fear with trusting God by affirming we're under his rulership and protection. Again, I loved reading 1 Thessalonians 1 yesterday. It starts this way To so the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I had to double read it because I thought it said, To the church of God in Thessalonica. It didn't. It said, No, to the church of Thessalonica in God the Father and in Jesus Christ. Do you know our primary positioning in life as Christians isn't a place or a locality or a country? It's in God. It's in him, under his protection. We're in the shadow of his wings. We're we're in Christ. We're protected by him. We're loved by him. We're secure in him. Nothing can snatch us out of his hands. Um, I got, uh, a couple of years ago, somebody introduced me to something called the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, written in 1563. And it was basically written by some guys who basically just knew their Bibles very well. And... They did a question and answer type thing, said, well, what question have people got? And then we're going to answer it with some remarkable truths of scriptures. It's worth getting, you can get it online or you can get a book. Uh, Here's um, here's what it says. This is question one. And uh, if you find yourself in self-isolation, this would be a great thing to memorize. And uh, my kids have memorized some of it. Uh, I haven't. It's easy to memorize stuff when you're young, isn't it? When when you're 47, it's kind of hard. What is your only comfort in life and in death? Good question. Here's the answer. There's a scripture reference underneath to back each one of these up. That I am not my own, but I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful saviour, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood. He has set me free from the tyranny of the devil He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Isn't that good? That doesn't mean, so being under God's protection doesn't mean that I may never get sick. It means there's promises that I can dig into that will encourage me to believe for healing and protection. But what it does mean is this. In the midst of whatever's going on, I can experience grace and healing, but I can also experience confidence in the face of the unknown and even death itself. Corrie Ten Boom, who uh, uh, was put in a uh, Nazi concentration camp together with her sister and lived to tell the tale, She said this as a Christian. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. The third way we fight fear with trust is we choose not to worry. So Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. He said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear, or how much toilet roll you have. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Psalm 139, the writer says, all the days written for me were written in your book before one of them came to pass. Hallelujah. Uh, Boris Johnson said something. uh, he, he, He said, there'll be many people taken away prematurely from us in this next season. Do you know if you're a Christian, you can never say that. God will take you home at the right moment. Always. He's never a day late or a day early. He loves, he knows his people, and, and, and death is sweet in the eyes of the Lord for his saints. Therefore, we can have confidence. Uh, rather than checking your newsfeed every five minutes, why don't you read Psalm 91 every five minutes? That would be so much better for you. Here's the other thing you can do some of us are prone to anxiety, not just for ourselves, but for other people that we love. Recognize anxiety in yourself and call it out. Anxiety isn't who you are. It's temptation that you experience. Uh, I think it was Martin Luther who said, you can't stop the birds flying around your head, but you can stop them building nests in your hair. Do that with anxiety. You can't stop the, the worrying headlines or thoughts coming around, but we don't have to come under it. We can trust God in the middle of it. Trust him for ourselves and trust him for those we love. Um, a, there was a, a great C.S. Lewis quote that somebody posted yesterday. It was about the atomic bomb when it was invented and how that was changing everything. And he was really encouraging people not to suddenly think we're in a whole new era. He said, there's been these things all down the ages, sort of crises, plagues, reasons where people should get fearful. But it was particularly this bit that struck me. He said, This is the first point to be made, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the kids, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, but they need not dominate our minds. Okay, so that's the first thing. Who's the king? Jesus. Jesus. Brilliant. Here's the second thing. Our response must must be love, not self-interest. So 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. The Spirit God gave us doesn't make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The Holy Spirit in you and me doesn't make us fearful, it makes us filled with love and power and self-discipline. I love that phrase because it's kind of saying that love can be practiced within the confines of self-discipline. We might call that caution in this current era we're in. And that's to say we're going to practice love carefully over this next season because we're aware of the, uh, what can be involved through infection not being controlled properly. Now, there are some people here, and you're working in places where they're saying, hey, just stay at home. You can work from home. That's fine. There's others of us here who are being told, please, could you come into work more? Please, could you man the tills more, man the restaurant more? Please, could you see more patients? Because there's a crisis, and we need you. And the result is that is you might be feeling fearful. And you might feel like, well, I'm just exposing myself to hundreds and hundreds of people every day. And I could catch this thing or end up spreading this thing. God doesn't want you to be fearful, but he wants you by his Holy Spirit to be filled with power, love, and self-discipline. And actually in this season, my belief is this, as a church, our confidence can grow. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Uh, The Holy Spirit helps us. He helps us when we get fearful. Uh, There's an old um, tapestry called the Bayer Tapestry. It depicts the 1066 Battle of Hastings. And there's a funny little picture in it where uh, it's, uh, King Harold has a spear and he's prodding some soldiers up the bottom, up the bahookie if you like. And uh, the, the caption underneath says, King Harold comforteth the troops. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a funny way of showing it, hasn't he? What's he doing? He's comforting. Because the, the, the word comfort, it doesn't just mean they're there. It means to fortify and strengthen and provoke people to action. And that's what Harold was doing. He says, I'm, I'm comforting them. I'm making them do what they're called to do. And the Holy Spirit helps us when we're feeling weak and timid and fearful. He makes us feel bold and courageous and loving. Love overcomes Obstacles. It, it, it overcomes even obstacles of whether we're allowed to touch or not, or to see people in person. Love overcomes all of those things. Just read one Corinthians thirteen, and I want to suggest here's an opportunity for us to use our fears and turn them around towards love. I remember when I was a, a young Christian, uh, I was 15. I'd just become a believer and Dead excited. And I wanted all my family members to, to become Christians if they weren't. And, and I, I got thinking about my grandparents. Because they were elderly. And I, I'd never really had a conversation with them about Jesus. I thought, well, maybe they know him, Maybe they don't. I didn't, I didn't really know. And they lived at a distance. I so used to write letters back and forth in those days. That's right. I used to write letters. Um, and uh, anyway, we, we'd wrote back and forth. And, and one day I, I thought, I, I've just, I need to know. So I wrote to my nan and my pop, that's how we call them, and uh, they've both died a while ago now. But uh, I said, look, nan, I hope you don't mind me saying, but this is really important. And I put a gospel booklet in there, and I said, it's journey into life. I'd love you to read this book and to pray the prayer at the end. And uh, she she wrote back a few weeks later, she said, just to let you know, I read the book and we prayed the prayer. (laughs) And That just did something for me. It turned a fear into something wonderful and joyful. I want to suggest perhaps there's people that you're worried about in this season. Here's one of the greatest things you can do for them. Maybe you could drop them a note or give them a phone call and say, look, can we just talk about something that's important right now? Because actually, it's not all about this life. It's about the one to come as well. Let's not fall into the trap In this season of thinking about ourselves, let's make sure we're serving those around us. Uh, William Booth uh, was the uh, founder of the Salvation Army, which was a a rapid growing church planting movement in its day, and did all kinds of amazing works with the poor all around the world. And they used to gather in militaristic style once a year, all the leaders together, to, to get their fresh instructions from General William Booth to tell them what was in store for the year ahead. And they were gathered for this conference one year, And William Booth was too old to travel, and the news came that he wasn't going to make it. And there was a murmur going around of disappointment, saying, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We don't have our marching orders for this year. And then a telegram arrived from General William Booth, and there was excitement in the air. Now, in those days, you had to pay by the word for telegrams. And being a thrifty kind of person... William Booth thought, I, I don't want to waste resources on what is unnecessary. So they read out the telegram to so the gathered hundreds there, and it had one word, and it said, Others. And everybody started cheering, and I said, Yes, that's it. That's the marching orders. Others. And they all went on their way happy. Here's the deal for us in this season Others. Others. Let's look out for others in this season and see if we can share the love of God with them in imaginative and creative ways. Galatians 6 verse 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Let's not give up meeting together. In your small groups, don't give up meeting together. You might need to find creative ways to Skype in or something like that. Or perhaps we need to create a, an online Skype group for people who, uh, who can't make it in person to a group for whatever health reason. But let's not give up meeting together. Let's show love for one another. I was chatting to uh, Gemma the other day and they've got a flat just opposite. And she she just mentioned, she said, "Oh, there's an elderly person who lives upstairs from us. And we just put a note through their door and just said, you know, if if you need anything, here's our number. I thought, it's brilliant. It's just showing love. So I did that with my (laughs) neighbour. And I want to encourage you to do it with your neighbour. Why don't you just put a note through the door and say, look, if you need anything... If you find yourself isolated for any reason, then, then I'm here to help as long as I'm able to help. Thirdly, finally, so that second one was our response is not self interest but love. Others, yeah, good. Um, third one seize the day, don't just watch and wait because our world needs Jesus like never before. Amen? So, people for once in their lives, are going to have time to think. You know, my son Sam, for the first time in 14 years yesterday, was huffing and puffing around the house, and he said, I'm bored. Because there's no football on the telly, there's no sports, there's nothing going on at all. One of the dads from school came around, and he said, I'm so bored. He said, there's nothing on telly, there's no football going on, there's nothing. This is a season where people might genuinely think about what's really important in life. And as Christians, therefore, we want to be on the front foot And make sure that we've got an answer for whoever asks us to say, well, hey, this is what I think about that. This is why my life is actually filled with hope and joy and excitement right now. Do you know, uh, Jesus left the purity zone of heaven to come to the squalor of planet Earth. A cow had probably salivated in his bedding. He walked into germ-filled rooms with dying and dead children and healed them. He touched lepers. But do you know, the best thing he did is he took the pollution of the human race on the cross So that you and I could have a relationship with God. And it's the best news ever. And in this season, we can actually share that news with other people. Through our witness in this season, let's point to him. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 says this, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Here's something that I, because I'm not a very quick thinker, something I do a bit is I try and, when I have a conversation with somebody, I think, oh, I should have used that one a bit better. I try and go away and I think, here's the phrase I need to use next time. And here's a phrase I'm beginning to get used to. It, if somebody's expressing fear, or is for me to be able to say, well, actually, I've got a slightly different angle on that. Do you mind if I share that with you? And if they say yes, then I've got an opportunity. And if they say no, it's fine. Use opportunities that God gives to share his good news with other people. So point one, who's the king? Jesus. Point two, not self-interest, but love. love. And point three, don't just watch and wait, but seize the day. Seize the day. I love it. Okay, let's... Um, Let's, uh, let's stand together. We're going to take the, the rest of this meeting to respond, because God wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and self-discipline. And to be honest, we, we don't know if we're going to be able to meet like this or whatever next week. We'll keep you posted, and we hope we will be. But we do know this, that wherever we meet together, God is amongst us, whether there's two or three. And we know right now today as we pray for his Holy Spirit to fill us, he'll fill us. Whether we are able to lay hands on each other or not, he's going to come. So I want to encourage you as we're going to just fix our eyes on him, to receive from him. To lift your eyes off of the narrative of the world and to hear the narrative of heaven today. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to take some time to, to be with him.